So welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the podcast that analyzes and makes fun of your favorite horror movies. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Mary. I'm Rachel. I'm Grady. Today we have on a really, really special guest. Yes, Grady Hendricks. Oh my God. We love you. Will you tell us about yourself? I'm just a person. Um, I'm like every other person. I write books. That's not true. Uh, (laughs) None of that's true. (laughs) I I write books and movies. Um, I wrote a book called Horror Store about a haunted Ikea and a book called My Best Friend's Exorcism. You guys might remember the book Horror Store from our birthday episode last year because I gave it to Megan as her... Like surprise gift oh, for nice. our birthday yeah. gift exchange. Yeah. I hope you got her something else with that. <laughs> um, I I remember what it was. Do you remember what it was? A mug. Because I got each of you a mug. She got a mug that said, I don't care who dies in the movie as long as the dog lives. Which yeah. is a fair sentiment. Yeah. So yeah. that's it. I mean, I've got a new book coming out in April called The Southern Book Club's Guide to Killing Vampires or Slaying Vampires. I think we changed it to Slaying Vampires. And mm. I just had a movie out called Satanic Panic. So that's that's me. Oh, I haven't gotten to see it yet, but I've heard really great things. I appreciate about that. that. All movie. I can see, like I don't like to look at things I've written or read reread things I've written because all I can see are the problems. So it's nice people are saying nice things. Oh, right. None of them are me. I have nothing nice to say about anything <laughs> I've done. Spoken like a true writer. Yeah, just yeah. It's not even mean. It's just deeply insecure. Or maybe I'm just fishing for compliments. It's the kind of thing that sounds ridiculous to me when other people say it, but if I said it, it would make total right. sense. Mm. Right, exactly. Like it's obvious yeah. that I wouldn't reread anything I did, but everyone else's stuff is so good. <laughs> it's just mine. Exactly. Yeah. Right, you're going to swim in pages of your own writing like McDuck in his swimming pool of gold coins. I'll you take do the that. gold coins any day. Yeah. <laughs> right. But you didn't say anything about the um, we sold our oh, souls. Oh yes, and we yeah, that sounds that was so. Yeah, that was my heavy yeah. metal horror novel. That was the last book I had out. Um, and then the one that's coming out, the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. It's um, it took me a little longer to write than I thought it would, and then it got bumped off the schedule, which gave me more time. And I'm one of those people who keep rewriting mm-hmm. up until the last minute, so mm-hmm. it just gave me more mm-hmm. time to drive myself crazy with mm-hmm. it. So it just went to press a couple of weeks ago. So that was really nice to like stop screwing with it. Um, but it was my vampire book, which is why <laughs> yeah. I wanted to watch The Hunger. Oh. Yeah, I was going to ask why you picked this movie because I'm just going to be honest. As I was watching it, I was like, this is a lot of sex in it. There's Pretty a... nasty. <laughs> so nasty. <laughs> well, you know, The Hunger is one of those weird blind spots I had. I'd never seen it. Um, and this gave me a good chance to finally I see it. I hadn't either and, until recently. And the book is amazing. Um, and, and the book has a fair amount of sex in it, but every horror novel from the early 80s, late 70s, has a lot of sex in it. So um, I didn't realize That's it was fair. quite the super sexy vampire movie that it was. But yeah, and the book is, you know, the book's written by Whitley. Opening Sh- credits. Yeah. I, like, just, that's, I just kind of assumed based on the cast. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's like, a good point. <laughs> why would you put those three people in a movie together if you weren't going to have them go nuts on exactly. each other? Exactly. You know? um, and, uh, you know, it's Whitley Strieber who wrote the book, who was later really famous for books like Communion, where he claimed he was um, abducted by aliens who, um, you know, ruined his life and traumatized him. But he was actually a really, really good horror writer beforehand. And I got to say, the book version of The Hunger is pretty amazing. It's one of the few truly scary vampire books out there. Um, 
And are we, mm-hmm. do we care about spoilers? Oh, oh no. Yeah. Everyone gets warnings. Um, we usually say, and we will say now, we watched this most recently on Amazon Prime. It was like a 2 or $3 rental. Um, you could also go to your local Blockbuster. I'm just kidding. And uh, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a pretty quick view, too. I, I was surprised it's only about an hour and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but also, yeah. as a quick note, you may want to rent it on YouTube instead, because I watched half of it last night on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to work today for my hour lunch break, I was going to finish it. But then it said, oh, you can't do that on this device. Oh, yeah. You have to have downloaded it. Yeah. And I didn't like, know that. So I rented already. it again mm-hmm. on YouTube. Well, I was hoping ah. someone could explain the ending to me because the ending of this movie is totally incomprehensible. I actually Same. have. The, Agreed. There is anecdotal. <laughs> there's anecdotal information about that. Okay. May I share it mm-hmm. now? Is this Please. the moment? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so the movie was supposed to end with Catherine Genove aging terribly, Susan Sarandon bleeding out on the floor, and everyone else crumbling to dust. And the studio insisted on the version that actually was released, in which Susan Sarandon is chilling on a balcony like a bad bitch, and has Miriam Catherine Genove trapped in a in a coffin the way she trapped all of her former lovers. Right. So. And Susan Sarandon has said multiple times in interviews that she just felt like it thrashed everything the movie had been setting up. <laughs> that like, if the, the, to her, the interesting thing about this movie and playing this part was, would you want to live forever if you had to do mm-hmm. it as an addict? Is that a, is that a worthwhile trade to you? Right. And that if the climactic moment of this movie is, uh, is Sarah taking her own life because she decides, no, it's not worth it, then what? Right. What just happened, right? Like, she said she, said she felt like it, it just undercut, but it was something the studio insisted on. It's not how the book ends. It's not what Scott, uh, Tony Scott, planned for the story. The studio insisted on it because it left it open-ended enough that they could franchise it or have sequels. Mm. Always important. Well, I also, you know, it's, <laughs> Business side. it's funny because the attic full of zombies... Um, you know, in the movie, it's it's sort of just an attic full of zombies. But in the book, it's really, you know, basically she has a special box for every one of her lover vampires because she can't kill them, but she can't let them go around free. They can't die, yeah. yeah. And so she just boxes them up and she's really loving with them. She's just like, oh, mm-hmm. I'll never leave you alone. I can put them in the archives. Yeah, I'll just I thought about... file you. Yeah, it's... But, yeah, it's like how you don't delete your old Sims families. Yeah. You just leave them alone. Oh. I kill them. You gonna kill them? No. I just drowned someone in the pool like last week. Oh. Yeah, but I you know. don't delete them from the computer. It took forever. Like, there's still yeah, stuff just, on there. Yeah, I just leave them there. I just never play them again, but I refuse yeah. to delete them. Like as if one day I will want to play again some family I made when we were back mm. at AmeriCorps. No, I'm not. Mm. But I won't delete yeah. them. Yeah. I, like I view it as a mercy killing. Like, I feel like they'd rather be dead than not have my attention. Wow. Yeah, well, I... <laughs> That's very Miriam-esque of you. Thank I, you. She um, has the best clothes, for real. I am... The best clothes. Far too neurotic and insecure to believe that. So, no, I just keep them alive forever and imagine that they've gone on to happier sim lives without me. Yeah. Which they're just waiting for you. Wow. Without my, without my controlling, without my monster claw directing their lives forcing them to play piano for hours on end and paint paintings for money but now they, they just live in a, a godless universe now waiting for you to return and be like why is everything so <laughs> terrible 
because God <laughs> abandoned us. Now when there's a fire, no one directs me to put it out. I just stand here screaming while my baby burns on the ground. <laughs> the worst. Wait, so speaking of convention, what is the deal in this movie? Because I kept trying to put it together about like, how does one become a vampire? Are we not doing the fangs thing? It's just the ankh. Convention With is dead. Egypt? Long live convention. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think um, I think the vampires in this don't have fangs. Well, because also the other thing is only Miriam's a vampire, right? Everyone else is just sort of a quasi-vampire who eventually dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Miriam has... Well, they don't even die, right? They, they eventually, at some point, they just like wither. Like they, they do age suddenly. Yeah. And it's irreversible. So they never die. So all those things in the coffins are alive. They just keep living as their bodies are becoming. And they're hungry forever, too. Like they still like they're junkies who can't Mm -hmm. get a fix. And so like in the book, Miriam's like her promise is like, I love you. I'll never leave you alone. She's not like you and your Sims. She's like, I'll never leave you alone. Mm -hmm. Anywhere I go, I'll take you. Like literally her baggage is like literal. And she drags these like poor withered lover mummies. wherever she goes. And so the end of the book is actually really creepy because Susan Sarandon tries to like resist the hunger or the character in the book. And um, she does, but she's like goes nuts because of it. And like, you know, instantly enters that vampire end game where you're just a withered mummy. And um, Mm -hmm. so she gets put in the box and like, she didn't even have like 180 years to like be cool and sexy. She had like two afternoons and she's just in the end of the book mm-hmm. is just Miriam being like, sorry, that is you got to go in the box and you can hear them all rustling in yeah. their boxes. Like, wow. yeah, it's really creepy. Um, far cry from the movie, which is yeah, like zombie orgy. Usually I get real hung up when convention is unclear. And like seven minutes into this movie, I was like, oh, it's just never going to matter. Yeah. Like whatever <laughs> the fuck we want is going to happen all the time. This is basically a music video. That's what I thought. It was like an hour and a half long 80s music video and I really enjoyed it for as far as like visuals go. <laughs> yeah. Dope, nope, stop tracking. Just sit back and enjoy yeah. it happening Just at you. Just let it happen to you, then let I it was, wash over. Then I was fine. Yeah. No, and, and Scott himself, so this was this was Tony Scott's first feature, yeah, first. Guess, the director. And uh he has looked back at it and said, you know, point blank, like I if I did that again, <laughs> we'd pick up the pace. We'd make sure there was a plot. All these kinds of things. <laughs> like, he was real fresh out of commercials. Um, so it's really stylish, and it's really atmospheric, and it's really... It really is, yeah, though, like, those things. Yeah, we just talked about... Um, uh, we have always lived in the castle, and I was saying, like, yeah. eh, generally I'm not into, it's like, mood. atmosphere, mood as a as like yeah. a premise, basically. And this time, I like, an hour after we had that conversation, I'm watching this movie going... Oh, I'm such a fucking liar. This is cool as shit. All of these <laughs> yeah. curtains are sheer. Where's all the smoke coming from? I love it. Like, well, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a lot of fun. Well, it's also, you know... It's I a, loved it. But... No, I was just going to say, it's also a lot of fun because it's like, it's like a lot of this movie is surface stuff and look and image, but that's vampires, right? Like, it's all about how good they look. Um, they got nice skin. They really <laughs> do have flawless, poreless, yeah. velvet yeah. skin. Um and I was going to say about another vampire movie, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, is yeah. so much mood. And, I mean, Annalily Amirpour had to have seen this movie and been like, yes, more. Yeah. Yes, of that. Well, you know, another thing that's, what, like the style is so no. gorgeous in both. Well, another thing that I found For really sure. weird watching this is, have you all seen Blade Runner? Yeah. Yeah. 
So basically within a two-year period, both Scott brothers made essentially the same movie, like a neon noir film about people with a non-human thing that looks like people living in their midst that has problems with longevity and aging and like growing old. Like it's really weird mm-hmm. how similar the two movies are. And they both dedicated their movies to the memory of their brother, Frank. Oh, I didn't even realize that. What happened to Frank? Mm-hmm. I didn't either. I actually, I don't know what happened to Frank, and I felt a little weird about looking it up. Yeah, I felt a little weird about looking it up because I was like, "This is going to be like a tragic story that makes me really upset." Before we we're going to record, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna think about how nice it is that they both did that. That's a that's a nice gesture. <laughs> yeah, this this movie actually hamstrung Tony Scott for a while. Oh, did it? Yeah. Uh, well, because it got panned. Roger Ebert. Oh God! What was the exact? I could look up the exact phrasing he phrasing he used, but it was brutal, and it flopped at the box office. So while people may have thought it was pretty, that was the only interesting thing about it, and nobody went. And he, it took him a little while to recalibrate and start getting work again. And then of course he went on to do what, like Top Gun. He was like a major action director for like a solid decade. Days of Thunder. But um, mm-hmm. but he, but this almost derailed him completely which is bizarre Mm. to watch now and to think like if this was someone's first movie i would be like i don't know i think this guy knows what he's about like the man whether it's to my taste or not he's got like a thing and he's going for it this man owns a lot of fans yeah lots of fans curtains smearing vaseline (laughs) on all of his lenses or something i don't know looks everyone looks great a lot of soft focus (laughs) Mm -hmm. i learned how to do that the other day we got to play with with like filters and stuff oh, cool. and lighting. We had, had to like set up a three point and two point and one point lighting system. And like, how do you light someone's face if they're backlit? And we got to play with, with all this. I stuff. need to know that for like when strangers take pictures of mm-hmm. you with friends. Mm-hmm. It's like, what Practical. are you doing? Like, why are you holding the camera <laughs> way down there? Do you remember that time we were at a wedding and the professional photographer took a picture of us from like her waistline? Yeah, yeah, who hired her? And we were like, I guess we'll just retake that picture later so we won't look like Gorgons. Yes. With seven chins apiece. With all of our hair just wild above us. Because yeah. it was a wedding, you know. Up to yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Hair. yeah, speaking of wild hair, can we talk about Mad Scientists too? Oh, yeah. Because that was a pretty fun aspect of this. I thought there was going to be more. Yeah, I was all excited about the science yeah. at first. I was like, ooh, monkeys, a lab, lab coats. This is great. And then it kind of went away for yeah. a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it does that in the book, okay. too. Like, we've got a lot of mad science. Well, they actually, there's a crazy thing in the book where Miriam comes and she's, like, hitting on Susan Sarandon in the book. And... um she agrees to be a dream subject to like get at her to get her like hot. I like, I love that like mm. Susan Sarandon's really hot and sexy because she's like a doctor who publishes things in peer reviewed journals and like has a book. Mm. Um, like scientists are sexy. Um, I know. Whew. Yeah. Let's make that a thing. <laughs> that would be great. If we can make that real. <laughs> but Miriam comes and is like part of her sleep clinic where like the place where the monkeys were eating each other. And, um, they don't want to let her go because like they're like well we did your blood work you're like a monster you're like not even human <laughs> and so they like involuntarily commit her against her will to like a mental ward um oh my god and so then miriam's like sitting there like starving to death and going crazy but she's like 
Susan Sarandon's going to come and free me because she is totally into me. And so it's like a race against time. Like, will she go crazy for being hungry or will Susan? Maybe that's what our Sims are doing. Right, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. I love like, that narrative. They will, they will come back for me yeah. because they are so into me. And instead in this, we just get like people eating roller skaters blood in the movie. Yeah, the moral of this story is if you roller skate in an abandoned factory, you're going to get your throat yeah. cut. Just happens. Like that's that was my takeaway. <laughs> like no matter how cool you look doing it, no matter how moonwalking you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also if you play the violin, if you hear classical music, if you even hear classical music, you are doomed. I love that. I love that. Like vampires are like the Hannibal Lecters of the monster world. They're like super classy. They're like Ugh, jazz. I'd rather mm-hmm. listen to some like I'd rather play like some Handel quartet trios together. You know, like. They're like mm. so overeducated. They all like, you know. <laughs> They're so bougie yeah. with their thousands of years of living and culture. <laughs> you were yeah. suddenly like made vampires, so now you're immortal. Like, what would you do with all of your time? Learning Especially Manics. because all your time is at night. Yeah. yeah, all your time is at night. Like, you can't go out and do shit. So I'd be like, yeah, I would just speak a billion languages. I would play a bunch right. of instruments. Right. I would drink blood when I have to, apparently. But when you're like a thousand years old, even if you're not actively doing that, if you're a thousand year old, it just comes naturally. Although that doesn't yeah, happen. At some point, I will have lived in Thailand, so now I speak Thai. I know, but it doesn't happen you know? naturally like with our parents, right? Like my mom, like our parents, they all pick one piece of technology that's going to be the last, right? My mom emails it. She can get <laughs> the email and she can't go beyond that. She can't text. My dad, it's really yeah, just Yeah, but that's phones. because she's aging. You get to the point to where you you don't have the ability you don't have like the 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 energy to keep up with it but if you're yeah. forever 21 years old yeah. you're, i feel like you're gonna keep up with it even though you have is that store run by vampires did we just crack a code uh, oh! <laughs> and you know a lot of them are going out of business Which store are you referencing forever 21 <laughs> i thought you were talking about a technology store and i was like wait what I don't know how to talk about a technology store. Yeah, we found this out today. <laughs> Wait, what is a technology <laughs> store? <laughs> we were talking about the Apple store, and Mary Kay was like, oh, what is the job? And I was like, like a, like a person who's at an Apple store. Like, I don't know. Like, when you go into the Apple store, what all the people are doing? And she was like, I don't know what they're doing. What is it? And I was like, have you never... Have you just never been to an Apple store? You have an iPhone. She was like, no, I've never been. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, bitch. That's why I'm asking you so many follow-up questions. I'm trying to learn about your job. I haven't done it Although before. Although that is true. That's so- exactly right. Like, Apple stores do look like they're populated by Sims. It's a lot of people crowded around things, and you're not sure what they're doing. Like, they're just kind of standing there. <laughs> And the, Thank yeah. you. I feel so vindicated. Well, yeah, like unless you're actually interacting with somebody. Like, everyone is just kind of off on there like playing with a device somewhere or like having some sort of conversation that if you only heard overheard snippets you'd be like what the fuck what is going on yeah i also wanted to talk about how vampires are supposed to be sexy traditionally because they have the teeth like they have sexy teeth is that why you know? are those sexy i thought so because they're in england and they have all of their teeth and they're white <laughs> and they're <laughs> And straight, and it's like a long time ago. Like in the kingdom of the blind, the one-toothed English man is king. In Dracula is what I'm talking about. Is <laughs> like having all of your teeth, like, does that really outweigh the fact that two of your teeth are pointy and blood-sucking? I think like, in England it does. Trade? Like, on balance, this person men, is sexier no, than the they brides, are scary. Yes. 
with the women, yes, I think it yeah, does. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Because mm-hmm. I thought in like vampire lore, it was always that they had this, you couldn't, re- if they wanted you, you couldn't resist. Like they just had this, they had like a spell that would make you in love with them and want to have sex with them. Well, it's funny. I'm yeah. Well, a lot of old vampires yeah. are stinky, though. Like, like Varney the vampire, who was like the first vampire novel in like 1840 something. Like he smells really bad. And like Dracula, mm. they give a lot of. They really like. <clears throat> they really shame him about his breath. There's a lot in the book Dracula <laughs> about how bad his breath is, and it smells like like the polluted oh, tomb, which makes sense. Be sexy. Yeah. Which makes sense. He would smell like like rotting meat, like right? Been Unless he flossed. Death, yeah. Do you think vampires would like deliberately go long between flossing so that their gums would bleed and they'd be like, oh, yeah. I don't think their gums would bleed, right? Damn it. I don't think they have blood, do they? That's why they're I so I don't pale. think so. Well, then how do they feed their blood to their prey? I know. And it always goes back and forth with like a lot of vampire like lore is that do, like, like in this movie, they have blood, but their blood mm. is just different. But in a lot of other stories and movies or yeah. books, they don't have blood. So then they, the men also can't have sex, and yet they still have them have sex somehow. I really liked when we when Mary Kay and I saw Nosferatu. We went to see a showing at Alamo oh. in Austin that had a like a live band playing the it score. It was really cool. But it was so it was really fun, and it's obviously it's beautiful. Like the lighting and the the. The framing, like the cinematography overall is just gorgeous. Very cool. Yeah. But this this vampire looks so fucked up. Yeah. yeah. There were many moments <laughs> where the audience just laughed because the characters on screen are interacting with the count as if he's like a person. When he has like seven inch long fingernails, <laughs> veins coming out every socket in his mouth, eyes bugging his head. His shaved, his shoulders are like above his ears, and they're just like chatting with him, like, How are you today? And he's like, Can I bite you? And they're like, Um, no, I asked how you're doing today. Yeah. And he's like, It's okay, English is his second language. <laughs> yeah, like, don't. Like, at what point he says, weird. Like, what a nice ellipses neck you have. And the whole audience just fell out. <laughs> But there were so many moments because he was so freaky looking that it was just like, bitch, get out of that castle. What are you doing? Yeah, he looks more like, he looks like a rat. Like there was space in between them and like there were... But you know, that's the problem, right? Vampires only have one thing on their mind, which is like biting people. Like that's it. Like that's sex and eating for them. Like that that's all they think about. They're not at the learning annex. They're not, you know, taking classes. They're just like... <laughs> Who am I hooking up with next? Non-consensually, probably. Yeah. Well, because you also wonder why they go through so much trouble to seduce people in the hunger. Like, you know what I mean? Like, generally, mm-hmm. vampires can are just sort of like home invader creepers, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're just tired and stop fighting. Now, I can't, I can't remember. Um, is the uh, the need for the invitation? At what point that becomes a part of the lore? Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't remember. I think that's in Dracula, but I don't think it's in a bunch of others. Mm-hmm. And it's in some folklore. Yeah. But it, it goes mm-hmm. in and out. I mean, that's that's something that, that crops up in in mythologies, right? That, yeah. that it's a monster, but you are safe. Like, that there is a space to which you can retreat like safely. Like, it's a super polite and monster. Yeah, you can, the only person who, well, the only person who can violate that space is you. Right, because the monster respects your And that you might do it anyway. You might even want boundaries. to. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, that makes the seduction thing necessary, right? If, if 
if your prey could feasibly just like touch base and be safe. Yeah, but didn't like y'all... like kids playing tag, then you need them to want you to But they're already in a club. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. public domain. Yeah, these guys <laughs> yeah. I don't I mean I don't really have any explanation other than like Well also also they oh, already like of course I just assume he went around seducing everyone all the time. Yeah, and also they already you know, we were just saying they already have like super hypno seductive powers, right? So they're not even like you're it's not they're just roofing people. They're like telepathically roofing people. And then being like very rapey. Yeah, but but you invited me to suck your blood. And it's like, well no, actually I couldn't consent, really, because you were mind controlling me. Yes, you yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I invited you in because I thought we were gonna bang. I didn't think you were gonna drain me of my life's blood. Oh, you got to change your mind in the middle. Every single one of, of my exes. foreplay in these sex scenes too, where it's like you could have been done bit them, but they don't. Like it, it's really drawn yeah. out, and it has like a montage. Oh, no, that I'd, makes. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, finish your thoughts, sorry, I don't want I wanna... had another question, too, because, like, I get that it's part of the aesthetic for the movie, and I understand that, and it, the convention is kind of whatever, because it's fun for us to watch, but my, I, I kept, and this might just be me trying to make sense of things that don't really ever come together, but in the beginning, they're in the club, and the guy singing is behind the cage, and it also cuts to the monkeys attacking each other Yeah. in the lab. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was supposed to be a connection between the singer and the monkeys. Did I just make that up? That's what a montage is supposed to do, right? It's to make you yeah. associate images. But I think this is more like emotionally connected. You got Peter Murphy singing about Bella say, Lugosi. Sometimes it's just... Sometimes it's just undead, the... Undead, undead, undead. Um, I got it. <laughs> it's the... Uh, oh, what's the word I want? Oh, no. Oh, God, there's an Talk actual word for this we'll that I just learned. There. No, I mean, it's a specific term for this kind of, of um, cutting together where, like, you jump from one, one image to the next, and while they are not the same image, there's, like, a visual symmetry to them, but there's, they're, like, you've... If you've got in a cage and in a cage... It's just because it looks cool, basically. <laughs> that like it helps okay. your brain make a jump. Um, okay. So the association doesn't necessarily have to be direct or even metaphorical. It's really just that your brain's gonna go ooh when you see it, you know. Um, yeah, my brain doesn't ever just go ooh. <laughs> I mean, it's always I like, ju- but I why just... and what and who did this and for why and yeah. to what end and to whom? Like I have a lot of yeah. questions. Yeah, always. I'm a I, little I think kid it's, at heart. Like we can stop at a stoplight and I'll ask three back I, to back. It's not that conscious of an ooh. It's more that it is satisfying to your brain and the uh, and an alternative would be jarring and confusing. Like mm-hmm. it would create okay. a problem that doesn't exist. So it's it's like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna get my textbook. <laughs> oh boy. She's had to pull her textbook out. Well, can I just say Freaky also a, a quick shout out to two amazing <laughs> actors in this movie. One is the monkey actor. Mm-hmm. Like, that <laughs> monkey was probably a couple of monkeys. How does he act so elderly? Right? How do they get this monkey? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, they, they can put the makeup on the monkey, but you can't say to the monkey, now act really old. Like, right. that monkey's amazing. Maybe yeah, you like, can't. Do that trick. Yeah. Okay, maybe you can't, but maybe someone out there yeah. can. And that's why they have this job, okay? Maybe you just, like, didn't grow up to be a monkey talker. Well, that's, and yeah, I mean, that, that's okay. That's true. If we were all monkey talkers, who would harvest our peas and who would 
sew our lace and who would so are who would be the other actors so are these me. traditional monkey jobs pee picking and I lace I don't understand smelling? what is happening right now <laughs> no no I mean these are the jobs you could have as an alternative to being a human who talks to monkeys oh like if you are a person a lace who has the gift slower. for monkey talking you should do that but then we also need humans who have the gift for pea harvesting and the gift for lace sewing and the gift and I was just trying to come up with weirder and weirder jobs and eventually I bottomed out yeah it didn't take very long Rachel's question was, who was the oh. other actor that you wanted well, to shout out to? <laughs> I was going to say David Bowie, because it's so weird in movies like performance yeah. and this. And he was in a movie, a Japanese movie that same year called Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, where he's like a British prisoner of war in a Japanese concentration camp or prisoner of war camp. But he's like so good looking that the head of the camp just goes insane. He's like, I don't know, am I in love with this guy or not? He's, I mean, he's a guy and he's English, but he's really sexy. And... I feel like David Bowie was just being cast in movies because he's a special effect. He's so just beautiful to look at. You're just like, yeah, just put him Mm -hmm. on screen. And that's the thing. Like, there's nothing empirically about David Bowie that is like, like each of the individual features might be okay, not bad. And the over, like if you combine them empirically, it's like that is not a bad looking person. But hypothetically, I would just stroll past that guy on the street but the actual human that he was, that yeah. man, mm-hmm. is just, like, you can't, you can't look away. Yeah. Like, it is not, my, my mom said that, you know, when it first, like, hit the press that he and Iman were together. She was like, that makes sense to me. <laughs> that, like, if any man in the world could, like, captivate Iman. Right. It was, it was him. Well, and I... Also, has he ever been this sexy in a movie? Oh, all of them. <laughs> What yeah, about the labyrinth. labyrinth with that hair? The codpiece, yeah, come, come on. on. <laughs> no, okay, but that, <laughs> I mean, like, I know that's what I'm, that's what I'm bringing up, because has he ever, like, overtly been this sexual in a Oh, movie? yeah, the man who fell to earth, like, that was his thing. Yeah. Like, he's just beautiful. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no. I have just to really take that. notes, Rachel? Huh? Need a list. We, do we need a list? Are you taking notes? <laughs> I'm going to. Well, I'm really glad because, like, because you mentioned the labyrinth. When I was like 14, I was in love with David Bowie because I have like this like weird thing where I just am very attracted to men who are too old for me. And even like at 14, I was like, "You in your 60s, but I'm about it." And I'm like so glad that at that time my age, I didn't know this movie like existed. You just would have watched it because it would have just like fueled that really unhealthy fire in me at like. Mm-hmm. That I mean, Robert De Niro could throw a cupcake at my head right now, and I'd be like, do it again. Yes, do it again. Well, and I love that the most horrific thing in this movie is, guys, guys, David Bowie's going to get old. And everyone's like, no! (laughs) You know know what's amazing to me? I I felt a little, like, glimmer of, like, like, nostalgic love, like... They age him up, right? Like they they went they went ham on what they thought he was going to look like in thirty years. That makeup was very convincing too. And you know what? He never the fuck looked like that. Not one day in his life. I wish we'd had him for another forty years. Sure. I am sad that he was ever unhealthy and that at any point in his life he suffered. Also, even when he was actually sick, he never ever looked like that. He just stayed gorgeous effervescent forever and that's kind of a fun thing when we look at movies that happened you know 20 30 40 50 years ago to see how they thought people were gonna age right (laughs) and for the most part they've just been wrong 
mm-hmm. in, a, in a in a happy way that people you know like started wearing yeah. sunscreen and now uh, they look they look pretty good. Yeah, yes. and all I the wanna... dudes stopped drinking and stopped smoking. Well, that doctor's good. waiting room office like could be an anti-smoking ad, right? He's like lights his cigarette and takes a few drags, <laughs> and he's like eighty-five. Oh, that's <laughs> brilliant! <laughs> Amazing. But that whole that whole story with David Bowie being the lover who's in this situation with Miriam, she's. She's like this God being telling him, you're going to live forever and we're going, I'm going to love you forever, forever and Mm -hmm. ever. And then he's seeing this is not going to happen. And not only is he, he doesn't, he doesn't know he's going to end up in a box, like alive forever, but hungry forever. He just sees himself aging. So it's like that natural fear that you have of everyone has of dying, but now it's accelerated and it's happening like in minutes all at once. All at like once. it would have it's happened in, over that span of time, but it goes like in, Well, yeah, and also inverted by the fact that like we're all afraid of aging, but we believe like there's this kind of core belief that we're afraid of aging because aging will lead to death. Mm-hmm. When you're afraid of aging because it won't lead to death, that's a whole new ball. Well, game. it leads yeah. to ugliness. Like it's, I it, mean, it's like. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's. It's also like Armand says in um, the book of Interview with the Vampire, like very few people have the constitution for immortality. Like most vampires kill themselves because they can't. Right. Well, you know, I had no problem with death. That seems okay. It's the infirmity and the age, like the ugliness. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, God, I can't like. (laughs) I just don't want to be ugly. Well, the loss of of independence, too. Like, it's, I mean, that's a pretty commonly seen thing. If you work, if you work with geriatric populations that as people lose mobility and as such independence, you'll see a rapid deterioration in their overall physical state, their mental state, even if there is no underlying physical cause for it. Like it's so psychologically damaging yeah. to feel dependent on other people. Um, and to have that crop up suddenly, essentially. Yeah. I mean, even if you should reasonably expect it one day when it happens, it still feels sudden for you, even if it's happening at 90. Yeah. Um, so after That's almost a, a century, point, yeah. yeah. After almost a century of being able to take care of not only yourself, but the people you love one day, that's just gone. Yeah, that's terrifying. And these 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 people that Miriam has put in these boxes have all of that loss of independence, that loss of ability. They can't. They're helpless. Actually, helpless in a way that most human beings are not necessarily ever like completely helpless, and just have to live through it in a box. watching it happen feeling it happen yeah i mean in a way Catherine so Deneuve's a terrible caretaker or a good one i can't tell that's what i was gonna ask is like is she the best or is she the worst because i feel like he did live a lot longer than he would have mm-hmm. and he was david bowie um, without her and he was david bowie and he got to live that long so that and then she's the one who ends up lonely. Yeah, I mean, she ostensibly her relationship with Susan Sarandon is really precipitated by the fact that that he, she's a rebound. Yeah, like not only is he gone, but he deprived her of what's her name? Um, oh, the Alice, Alice. Yeah, yeah, the younger, yeah. the one she was grooming, the thirteen-year-old she's grooming, preparing her to be her next companion. I don't know if she intended for that to be sexual, or I don't know. She's also a vampire. I have no idea how soon she planned to 
to throw down so, in that scenario, but she's lost both of her companions, and she's like, oh, here's one. <laughs> yeah, and then that, that character also, while I did not care for that actor, um, I, I think that the main allure was that she was really very um, precocious in the violin, and it seemed like Miriam had kind of a boner for classical music. She's into musicians, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to music. But I mean, aren't we? Aren't um, we all? So. Well, and scientists. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, scientists really are good too. Hitting all my sweet um, spots. <laughs> just anyone who like shows that they paid attention in school or like has yeah. a little bit of manners. I don't know. Like, Bowie a little bit actually of manners goes a long way. Bowie learned to play the cello for this, so he's not the one playing in the soundtrack. Like they have some, they have a professional playing, but he is doing he is. He's doing performing it, right. it correctly. Yes, yeah. like he is actually playing on set and he's playing. That's it impressive. That bothered me, like in the perfection when they were playing the cello, but they weren't playing the song that was playing. Yeah, I remember. Like, and I don't even play the cello, and I know that. <laughs> like, that's oh, you'll watch good. the perfection. Oh yeah. yeah, we talked about it uh, with Ashley Blackwell from from Graveyard Shift. Oh Shifts yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, so what was the general thumbs up, yeah. thumbs up, thumbs down feeling? Um, yes and no, I think. Like, it was fun, but then after you watch it the first time, it was like, hmm, but wait, but... Like, yeah, we kind of all had yeah. the same experience where we watched it once, and we were like, whoa, good times. And we watched it through the second time, and we were like, wait a minute, you bastards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Um, it kind of felt like the, um, I don't remember their names now, but Allison Williams' character was trying to save... Logan, whose last name I can't remember, Logan but Brown? she's like, hurt yourself so these other people don't hurt you. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. convince you to hurt yourself. It's like, she just took over the so. role of manipulative right, and harmful caregiver. Right. Which, much less harmful, but still. Oh, yeah. I just want you to know that on page 92 of Voice and Vision, the second edition by uh, Mick Herbis-Cherrier, um, I found that the term I was looking for is graphic match. Okay. So it would be like jumping from a shot of like a circling drain to someone's eye close up. So you have that mm-hmm. symmetry of the, the imagery, but they're not. Like in Psycho, right? Isn't that's that exactly what that is. Yes. Yes. That was Boom. Like Nails it. Trivia. By the way, if you didn't know this, Grady, me and Mary will destroy everyone at Catchphrase. Uh, what's it's Catchphrase? Bad. It's great catchphrase is like where you have a word and you have to describe it and the other person has to guess it is because we share we got it, it. We just, we've <laughs> yeah. got, at this point we've got almost a decade of similar pop culture and pop culture references so like we've just because we've had such similar interests for so long at this point we've also kind of like grown up together so we went from early 20s fuck nuts to early 30s fuck nuts let's oh, be real um so we, we know each other's, like, backstories. It's all very involved. So, like, one time we were playing catchphrase with friends. And I said, this is the second hottest Irishman. And Mary said... Colin Farrell. No. No, yes, Martin McDonough yes, is the hottest. Colin Farrell right, is the second hottest. Right, that's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but that was what really freaked our friends out, was not just the Colin Farrell thing. It was that I knew that the first one was Martin McDonough. Right. Yeah, but right. you know that's that's one of the things that didn't um, ring true about this movie. I feel like if you were an immortal vampire, you wouldn't be all classy and mm-hmm. elegant. You'd be like 
you'd be like, why doesn't anyone remember, like, you know, some catchphrase from 1880 that you thought was really, really funny? You know, and it's always, like, why doesn't anyone remember, why doesn't anyone remember the fancy lads? Like, fancy lads, three penny farthing. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I actually read, I actually read a great, I should see if I could find it. I'm sure it's ancient now. Uh, like, Reddit thread of someone who was like, why aren't vampires actually always the biggest dork in the room? Right. Like, if, if they're, like, hundreds of years old, shouldn't they be constantly scrambling to catch right. up to whatever's going on? Like, it, all of this is just, like, a, a flash in their pan. So wouldn't they, the same way we all are, just, like, be stuck in whatever was popular when they were pretty young? Like, yeah. So they're just still using whatever slang and trying to dress like it's, like, 17, 12. And like, like they just, like, never get over their racism. So everyone, like, is very yeah. obviously, like, not interested in them because, like, they just can't wrap their head this around. This club admits Negroes? I won't be going here, <laughs> sir. Um, exactly. My goodness. Jazz music. <laughs> Hot jazz. But also, you'd, like, you'd sort of, like... <laughs> There's also that effect, right, where, like, the older you get, the more time seems... Can that be the title of this episode, Hot Jazz? Hot I think jazz? it has to be, my goodness, yeah. Hot Jazz. But also there's that effect where, like, the older you get, the faster time goes, right? Because, like, when you're 10, yeah, a day is such a huge part of your life. When you're 80, you've had so... Like, you know what I mean? So when you're, like, six... You've had so many days. Yeah, when you're yeah. 600, like, Catherine Deneuve just may be like, I can't <laughs> keep up. i got this to-do list. Like, you know, do eyebrows, go to clubs, seduce... Oh, yeah. I'm overwhelmed. Like, there's not enough time. I'm just going to take a nap for two weeks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, just, I just need you guys, I need y'all to know. Um, while I never got to see Bowie in person, I have seen both Catherine Genove and Susan Sarandon in person. And? It's been in the, within the last decade or 15 years, and they're astonishing. Mm. Like, actually astonishing yeah. looking. Probably vampires. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, Susan Sarandon used to live around the corner from where I went to school, so like... It, People saw it. Like, it was not an uncommon thing to see her. But she really is just kind of, like, just quite luminous. And it looks exactly like her. You know, it's not like she gets all made up and goes on screen. Right. In person, you wouldn't even know. You know, like, it's definitely her. She really does look that compelling. You know who I think might be a vampire? Angela Bassett. Oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. I think... I think definitely. She's never aged. I think she's... She I think she's same. got a picture of Dorian Gray situation going on with her arms. Ah, Like, her sense. arms are aging mm-hmm. for the rest of her body. Um, like her arms get more and more <laughs> crypt keeper every time I see them, and yet her face looks amazing. Yeah, but they're so they're still so strong. Oh, totally. Like her arms look great. Because there's no flesh on them; they're just like rotten tendons. But like her face. No, they are not. You're thinking of Madonna. Well, yeah, another one, right? <laughs> no, I'm googling Angela Bassett's arms this second. I don't. I don't. I think you're wrong. I think you're just straight up wrong. I'm sorry. I know you're like an acclaimed author, and we asked you here. I know we invited you to be our guest, but God damn it, <laughs> I will not stand for this. But I, I'm a big Angela Bassett fan. What's love got to do with it? Is an amazing movie. <laughs> I want to talk about elements of the. They gothic. look fucking outrageous. You're thinking oh of the gosh. wrong human. Am I? They look good. Yeah, they look crazy. <laughs> okay, good. Mary Kay. Please. Actually, I'm looking up Angela Bassett arms too. No, I mean like let's let's please continue with the elements of. Oh, this is like whenever my cousins would be fighting in the back seat. Oh yeah, they do look good. Angel reading my little dumbass book, and my uncle would turn around and be like, "Shut up, Mary Kay." (laughs) I gotta say, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Her her arms look really good. Yeah. I must be thinking of. Hold on, I'm looking at Madonna. Yeah, Madonna's got some crypt for arms, and that's sad because I'm a big Madonna fan. 
same. Yeah. But it's like she only got the Juvederm in the face, and then she like kept working out the arms but stopped eating. But, but, can I just say, age shaming aside, they're both awesome. Oh, yeah. Icons. Yeah, yeah. icons. I mean, honestly, it doesn't matter. They are both amazing. And also, okay, hold on. So speaking of yeah. speaking of women, iconic women, and iconic moments, this is actually the, the sex scene between Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon in this mm. movie is like a whole ass moment. It is the one thing that even reviewers at the time said, actually, that's really beautifully executed. A lot of body doubles, it's, but it's yeah. a well, it's a, it's, it's a well-earned moment. Like, it makes sense that it's happening. It is beautifully shot. It is actually important to the story. Just well done across yeah. the board. And it's notable that um, the script called for Susan Sarandon to be drunk. That she you know, was downing that sherry. And she was the one who said, no. No. A, that's not the most interesting choice. It's much more interesting if she has a sip or two and chooses to do this very consciously. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. It's up to her, and uh, and her B point was you don't have to be drunk to want to bed Catherine Deneuve no matter what your sexual history is. Mm-hmm. Like look at her. So um, so yeah. So well, the thing is by making that call and making it a really conscious decision on her part, and um, it it is a more interesting scene, and it um, is uh, for like queer representation a much more meaningful cinematic moment than if it was just like a drunken stumble for sure like it was very intentional they both were like seeking the other out mm-hmm. um it, de- it definitely felt earned and not really gratuitous the way that the first montage did um and i also think that that sort of taboo lesbianism where actually they they really do like each other or love each other a lot is kind of a tradition of the gothic because you have that with um especially with vampire novels like you have carmilla right like the prototype right um you have um uh even kind of lucy and um mina Mm. Mina, right Mm -hmm. and and these vampires um particularly david bowie's character whose name i can't remember because it was real normal um john john blaylock thank you john (laughs) um he uh they kind of work like Lucy did. And even when um, Sarah is going undergoing this, these changes, she just feels sick, right? Like she has um, withdrawal symptoms in this case right. is what it looks like. But yeah. um, back in the day, it was supposed to look like tuberculosis. So it's like whatever the biological fear is, is what vampires or any monsters that we have in our culture kind of right. symbolize. But I did think that, this was an interesting choice because you do have like when she's in the phone booth, the guy's like, get out of here, junkie. And until then I was like, why aren't you guys taking her seriously? Like she's really sick. Why isn't she? And it's because everybody thinks it's Mm self-inflicted. Right. And I I remember Mary, when you were like texting me your hot takes too, you were like, is this a metaphor for AIDS? Mm -hmm. Because he's like, how long is this going to take? Like, how soon am I going to die? Yeah. There were really, it was a really specific set of lines and granted timeline wise, I, I, for 80, in 83, AIDS was not quite forefront of, uh, of a conversation. You know, it was still really early days of figuring out what it was and yeah, but when people who knew know, like, yes, it's like, it's, it's there if you want to see it. Right. I, I, I would, I would think so. I mean, I, 
the director, the writer, the performers, no one's ever, no one has ever in interviews over the years suggested that that was the case, but it's a really specific, like, set of lines. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, I hoped this time was some miracle. My hair is coming mm -hmm. out of my hand. How long does it take? Who's next? Have you thought about that? Mm -hmm. I as something that like he yeah like she had like foisted upon yeah. him yeah I'm always very suspicious of lesbian scenes in movies um because I often think they're just there for straight dudes um but one of the things yeah. I think really for me rescues this from being sort of a, another gratuitous lesbian sex scene is it's also when she's transferring their blood and so it's in 1983 and it's this total fluid exchange scene. And to me, that's mm. really crazy because, you know, I think by 83, there was the first AIDS clinic, like fully, fully dedicated to AIDS award in San Francisco general. Uh, Larry Kramer was already writing essays and articles about AIDS. It wasn't like the CDC was already having public meetings about it. Like people were still very scared about it. They didn't know about it. I think 81 was around the first time they were first, the first talk about it. But you've... 81, 81 was the, yeah, like the, 81 was the, the first recognition of it as a, as a specific and singular. Yeah, but you've got... David Bowie in this, who was, you know, an IV drug user from time to time and bisexual by all accounts. Uh, you've got Willem Dafoe. Oh, by his own account. Yeah, like by he, his, yeah. He would argue with people who were like, but like you sleep with guys right. sometimes and you are like into women. And he was like, no, yeah. I am bisexual. Yeah, and you, That's the word. you had Use Susan the word. Sarandon, who was through Rocky Horror Picture Show from like 75, was already a full-blown gay cult icon. Um, and, and liked that role by, by her account. And you have, you know, people like Willem Dafoe, who is part of the New York downtown theater scene, like the underground theater scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, he doesn't have a big part, but like, he's not in there by accident. I think he knew someone. Um, and so like, you know, I think it was a pretty hip cast and crew. I think they knew. Yeah. So I think these... Yeah, I think these were people who knew, look, there's something out there that's taking these beautiful young dudes and turning them into old men in their 20s and 30s. Um, and so I definitely think that's a part of this movie. Mm. Now, they don't quite do much with it. And, you know, it just winds up with people stabbing each other in the neck with onks. But still, you know, they tried. The thought's <laughs> there. Right. There's a little, it's like a babysitter. Yeah. yeah, which, I mean, I think for the, for the time in history... For it to read that clearly still today is like, yeah. Know, oh, totally. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a move. That was, that was a. Yeah. Well, there's these moments when these people sort of wave through time, you know, they're like, we, we know we got it. We're marking this. Like, you know, you're going to look at this in 20 or 30 years and like, you'll know, we know, um, kind of thing. But yeah, I think that's why I think that sex scene is so great to me is cause it's like, I mean, she's killing her. She's basically sitting there filling her up with diseased blood. That's going to turn her life into a living hell. I did think that the folks in the lab had an oddly sanguine reaction to discovering that she had non-human blood in her blood stream. Yeah. I was like, you guys should be more upset. There wasn't a... Like, this is your friend and colleague, and that's such a weird and upsetting thing to discover. It's yeah. not just like her blood is confusing, there is non-human, but human-adjacent blood in her veins, y'all. Why are you just looking at her like, my goodness? 
But yeah, I didn't think there was a whole lot of difference to me uh, between the affect of the people in that lab and the affect of the people who used to hang out in the back of my like van smoking pot in high school. Like they just all seem to be chilling. Like, oh, that's cool. Like, wow, that's crazy. Non-human. Oh, the monkey ate. Like one of the lab techs is wearing sunglasses yeah. inside. <laughs> in, the lab, in the middle. In like the darkest lab. Yeah. Like, it's a totally dark lab. It's full of smoke and dry ice and, like, great neon. They're like, <laughs> yeah. that monkey just ate that monkey and you're not even human. Shh, I need a sandwich. Like, Shit. yeah. By the way, Ooh. one of my favorite credits at the end was that someone got, like, their title was Monkey Effects. Yeah. Perfect. That's the person yeah. who talks to the monkeys. The monkey whisperer. Mm-hmm. Wrangler whisper. I'm not sure what the technical term is. I think a whisperer is someone who doesn't have to wrangle. Mm. Like they've evolved beyond wrangling. So if you have to wrangle, like that's much more. Yeah, you got to whisper. If you're whispering, whispering, the ones who know what they're doing whisper. That makes sense. Exactly. Like like Clint Eastwood. You know, like so. Just one thing you can speak that quietly. What everyone's going to listen to anyway. So one thing about this movie that you get from the book and you don't get from the movie so much, but I feel like it's there, is how 80s it is. So there's a big thing in the book where it's like, now, it is very dangerous to be a vampire because if you're a vampire, you must sleep six hours a day. And I love that in the 80s, like everyone's like on so much coke, they're like sleeping six hours. What? What? Do you? There's so many clubs to go. That's crazy. Who doesn't sleep three hours? Wow, these vampires are bonkers. Um, but there is like that makes yeah sense. right. Yeah, I didn't put that together. Where it was like, why are they so attached to sleep? Like, right. Why, but I get yeah, it now. A full six hours. Some of, the, uh, some of the reviews I read like made that distinction pretty clearly that Bowie starts getting sick, that John starts getting sick. Because he can't sleep. Because he develops yeah. insomnia. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I love that it's like a full six hours. And then some reviews didn't make that connection. Yeah. yeah. But so can we just talk about this in the context of the 80s? Like we're talking about AIDS and everything, but just like fashion, man. This thing looks so hot. <laughs> like I don't, most oh mostly God. when you see horror movies now, they look like they're made by nerds. Like no one can dress. Flannel mm. is as high fashion as it gets. Um, you see like horror. That is because they, they are, they are made <laughs> exclusively by nerds. That dude who sat at the back of your class and muttered a lot, but still never got good grades, even though he acted superior. That is the person who makes every movie you have ever watched. Well, it's so depressing. Like, you see a movie where the they're end. like, oh, she's wearing this beautiful dress, and it's like a, a crappy prom dress, you know, like that they ordered out of a... Right, like you Yeah. Carry. It's just like, they're the ugliest. Like, yeah. And so I gotta give this movie a lot of credit for like, the people actually look fashionable and sexy. Like, Amazing. they look hot. They, they're wearing good clothes. Like, everything looks nice. That... I want to take a moment and just acknowledge that trench coat that she yeah. wears with the hat mm-hmm. and the birdcage veil and the and the snake yeah. brooch. Mm-hmm. When she and she's like, I need to go into the lab, <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Okay, go wherever you want. <laughs> you look amazing. This David guy. Bowie pulls <laughs> off a hat in 1983. Like they all wear hats. They all are wearing. I would have loved it if Susan Sarandon, that last bit on the balcony, had a hat on. It's like she's fully embraced her vampire nature. They can rock yes. hats. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's just it looks amazing. good. I can't think of the last horror movie I saw that looked sexy and like good. I don't mean sexy like sexual, just like stylish and like nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like. 
Really beautiful. Yeah, like, I mean, I love to get out, but everyone's wearing windbreakers and fleeces. Right. Yeah, but that's right. also because it's about how white people are scary. And I think the windbreakers and fleeces are important. Right. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I just rewatched that uh, last week. week. Yeah. And? Just rewatched Does it hold that. up two years later? And, years later? Uh, oh, sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Also, there was, watching this time, knowing how it was going to turn out, I had a lot of moments where, like, so, like, all the interactions with the white people at the party before things like really start getting scary. Um, I remember at the time watching and it was funny, right? That like, because all those interactions seemed like bad, but normal right? to me, like feeling him up just to like touch his muscles, like asking point blank in the middle of the party if sex with a black man is better. All that kind of shit is stuff that I have like heard and seen and been on the receiving end of. And then watching it now, I was like, oh, they're very blatantly sizing him up. As a prospect right. to like take over his physical body, but that's just the kind of stuff people say and do anyway. Yeah. Oh my god, this world is trash and everything should be on fire. Wow. Okay. Like, yeah, no, definitely holds up. Um, <sighs> but people dress much better in this. Yeah, year. and they're also rich. Like, people are so mm-hmm. suspicious of rich people. I mean, and while they should be, everyone in this is so rich. Like. They hook up with those two kids mm-hmm. in the club and the kids take them to their house in Jersey. That's like this fancy snazzy like museum of modern art. It's like Patrick Bateman. Yeah, exactly. That's where yeah. They go. <laughs> so fancy. Like I, I could And her apartment looks like an, a museum. Yeah. Like she says. Yeah. Some of the artists mm-hmm. thousands of years old. And... Yeah, I mean I feel like you know, it's like the only people who are allowed to have good taste in movies now. I mean, and then too, these are vampires, but like are serial killers and vampires like you know people with like fancy tastes like they're suspicious well you kind of have to have the funds to support your fans your fancy fancy taste you know well and there is like as much as the american dream is pull yourself up by your bootstraps straps and make a bunch of money we are there is also this idea that like money is hard to get right you have to work really hard to earn it so someone who has a ton of a ton of a ton of suspicious. it suspicious is inherently suspicious yeah. right yes. especially if you can't see the hard work right there before yeah. your eyes so i do think that there's this kind of as much as everyone wants to be rich the people who actually already are it's, it's definitely yeah. part of the american mythology to look at them sideways yeah. and, and well that's a, mm-hmm. that's a little thing and in the book they mention a few times is that miriam chooses victims usually who have more money than she does because like she doesn't work so she always needs victims who like have who are like independently wealthy. Wow, I didn't think about which that. is why she's going for the little next door neighbor girl because her family's rich and lives in that neighborhood. I thought that I had aged out of the window of marrying for money, yeah. but turns out there none of us know. have. No, in a couple thousand cool. years we Good. could still be. <laughs> Amen. I mean. Exactly. So I could do it like a few yeah. times. I mean, we all have, I, I have all, <laughs> I have all, I'm married, but I have, both of us have a hall pass for like a celebrity because it's like, it's not the celebrity. It's that like, they're rich, you know, like <laughs> if I'm Tom Cruise's boy toy for like two years, it's a small part of my life. And that will, the money I get from our settlement, my hush money will like keep me like, I'll get a private island. Oh yeah, like I'm yeah, in. Yeah, and also you know he's probably fun. Yeah, Tom Cruise is. Oh, probably... Grady, you can do so much better than him. I don't. I would not. I would. 
I would not trust that Tom Cruise is not actually drinking my blood to choose. Oh, dude, it would be like having whether it works or not. It just seems like something he would do. Just he he might, but it would also be like having a dog that, like, you know, you can have sex with legally. Like Tom Cruise would be like, oh my god, wake you up at five in the morning and be like, let's go sea kayaking. Let's go sea kayaking. Do you want to? Do you want to climb rocks? Do you want to go to like (laughs) try out my gravity boots? Hey, I've got a hovercraft. Like he'd always just want to do something at like five in the like nine o'clock. Field yeah, trip. you just want to start winding down at nine. He's like, helicopter Sam's ride. release form. Let's go. <laughs> you know what kind of dog I want? I want the one that's like, let's go back to sleep. Oh, yeah. I want the Mastiff version of a celebrity. I think that means that I'm looking for like, that makes it sound like I'm looking for like Vince D'Onofrio, which I'm not. No, it like, does. You know, yeah. Like, let's figure like out what that is. Like a Vin Diesel. The Mastiff celebrity. I feel like he probably likes to do, actually, he likes to play Dungeons and Dragons. That would be fun. Oh, that's all right. But then, but then I gotta say, it's hard to keep your self-respect when you're dating Vin Diesel. Like, you know. Yeah. We could talk about being mixed, and we could play Dungeons and Dragons all day. And I would take Vin Diesel over Tom Cruise. He True. pissed me off with the mummy. You, that, yeah. I don't know that he can. Oh, see, I just didn't that. see it. Yeah, the Scientology thing is, a and that's scary, scary too. too. I don't know. Yes, about that. also that. But first of all, the mummy. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying. You made me so sad. Fair enough. I just, I just feel like I'd have a hard time holding my head up if I was at like a celebrity wives thing, and like people were like, "Oh yeah, my husband's Tom Cruise. My husband was Robert Redford. It's very sad, you know." And I was like, Vin Diesel. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like I just try to, I just <laughs> Vin Diesel. You know, yes. I wouldn't love him any less, but I would be, I'm a, I'd be a little Poor ashamed. Vin Diesel. You'd be embarrassed by him. I see. I've got a soft spot for him, but that's because he. I mean, his his like breakout project. He he made his own short called Multifacial about being a multiracial ah. actor and how it weirdly boxed him out of stuff, and uh, it like did well at festivals and but stuff. But isn't so like he's actually? I think he's actually a smart. But guy. isn't The Rock then just happened new to, and improved Vin Diesel? Uh, like he's Vin yeah. Diesel two I mean, I do think that they. I think they're like in. <laughs> Well, I don't think they're even different ages. In fact, Vin Diesel might be younger than The Rock. But, but The um, Rock's multiracial, right? Sim- yeah. Yeah, they both yeah. are. And he's buff. Yeah, there's similar similar wheelhouses, yeah. I think. Like, action stars. Um, I just think that it's funny that I wouldn't broke... be embarrassed to say that I was married to The Rock oh, at no. all. I mean, we, I smell what he's cooking. We have well established on this podcast that I would absolutely not be embarrassed i just think that it's it's always been funny to me that like vin diesel started out as this like cerebral like artsy oh right genius yeah and then and then yeah this is kind of where he's ended up oh but that's and, why i think uh, it's embarrassing I mean, the rock is kind of a like hmm? he's an nyu guy like you know aren't his parents professors at nyu vin diesel's um i don't know he's actually he's always been really cagey about his family because he didn't want people to know what his actual yeah. He always strikes me as one of those... For a long time, he just wouldn't tell anyone. He always strikes me as one of those guys who goes to jazz clubs a lot and doesn't tell anyone. Like, you know, like he's really into jazz. <laughs> like, <laughs> he plays the saxophone. It's Duke Silver. He's just Duke Silver. <laughs> <laughs> From Parks and Rec. Yeah. yeah. But so we all established, so um, Dwayne the Rock, to... is, the Rock is the top of the heap for our celebrity husbands. Oh, I mean, I think status-wise, yeah. he's yeah. like... In almost every capacity, he's way up But he there. must have to eat, like, 10,000 um, calories a day and, like, raw chicken breast. He does. He actually posts his um, cheat meals to Instagram. Yeah. It's, like, plates and plates of sushi. It's just it's just a, a truly shocking. Flatters it's like an entire cake. 
<laughs> yeah, like an entire cake it's and like a gallon a of ice cream. It's like a Thanksgiving feast with the leaf in the table. Yeah, yeah it's like what Michael Phelps like eats that, while he's right? training. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just like... What else do we need to say about this movie? I mean... Do we I hit actually, everything? I think we've mostly worked through... Yeah. Um, Although really... We've worked through a really lot. Really amazing opening. Peter Murphy singing, you know, weird club seduction, mm-hmm. bloodletting, monkey cannibalism. Upsetting monkey cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I was... Like, I feel like if that's how Star Wars had opened, it would be a much less popular movie. <laughs> yeah. Just like you've got the or aliens in the popular. cantina going off, and then you've got, like, you know, Luke being seduced by the droids, and then you've got just two Jawas eating each other. Like, I feel like that would have been a tough foot to start off on. It doesn't leave you a lot of places if to the go. Jawas were... I feel like the Jawas eating each other would be especially creepy because you can't see their mouths. Yeah. And then there's just like blood like pouring out of the black hole where Exactly or like out of the bottom of their cloaks. Like it just goes right through their systems. Mm-hmm. What is <laughs> happening? They just like run off and they're little like and they're leaving like blood. Exactly. Like little blood spatters behind them. Yeah. <laughs> there's like waving an arm as they run. <laughs> Like holding a severed arm. And like That's why they work with droids so much. They can't eat them. Yeah. That makes sense. Sorry, what were you saying? I don't know. <laughs> but isn't that what happens, though? Usually. I mean, you start talking about Susan Sarandon, yes. Catherine Deneuve, and David Bowie having sex, and you wind up talking about Jawas cannibalizing each other and shitting blood. I mean, that's a typical conversational progression. That's normal. <laughs> I think if an episode doesn't go there, I would be sad. You yeah. Know? Like, like that was weird. He must have grown up in a broken home. Yeah. Like, they don't talk normal. Yeah, as many times as I've seen Star Wars, now I, like, I have questions about Jawa dying. Right. I always assumed that uh-huh. Jawas were, like, after the sand people, like, nibbled each other down, they wound up as Jawas. Like, somehow one was related to the Aren't other. They... I do. I think they are, though. Are they? Right? I don't know. I don't know. That might be some like deep lore stuff that I got from my ex or something. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I mean, <laughs> that was a nice thing to get mm. from him. Like, I would love to learn more about Star Wars. I don't want to have like a bunch of baggage around like, am I good enough to be loved? But knowing more about Jawas is yeah. yeah, thank you. Do you want to age him into a zombie and then carry him with you from house to house? I wouldn't bring him with me but see that's really interesting isn't Catherine Deneuve a more like I don't want to drag him around isn't she a more loving person than all of us right like she wants her exes with her Mm -hmm. 25 like she literally is one of those people at the airport who needs the trolley for their baggage and it's just full of Russell Mm -hmm. mummies Mm -hmm. yeah like she can't travel like I do think that that makes her a little bit better no like she She has trunks yeah she there's there's no way she's getting in designer a personal shit. item in one overhead bag no she's paying the extra yeah. she's never she's never going on spirit airlines <laughs> yeah that is a budget airline <laughs> no exactly and that that in a way makes her really appealing you know like she's like you're in a box for eternity but she didn't dump you i mean you're gonna inconvenience her when she moves right but she still wants you yeah around. i don't know it's it might be worse it might be better it might be worse it depends well, I mean, it's it's better in that it's nice that she she feels such love for these people that she like wants them around. It's worse in that like, is it what's best for them? Yeah. No, 
But I get what, yeah. yeah. I see both well, sides I, of and this. And I do think she, she says at some point that she can't kill them. That there's nothing she could do to end the suffering. But she sort of dies at the end. Then why would you get new lovers? No, she just ends up in a box screaming too. Does she? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, because while, while Sarah's out on the balcony, you can hear Miriam in the back screaming Sarah. Oh, God, I didn't realize that. That's great. And you see the box. What I don't understand is that in most, like, vampire lore, like, once you're bitten, you become it, but they're not becoming it. And I was wondering, because she keeps so much information away from them, mm. like, what's happening and what to do, that I wonder... I so Grady like I don't know if it explains it more in the book but is she making this happen is there a way that they can become full vampire like her that she's okay yeah in the book that was the question I had that's why I thought she was such a villain because I thought she was putting them away like I'm done with you for now because I'm not going to give you what you need to become yeah no in the book they made it really clear she's of like a separate species and, like, there were lots and lots oh, of them in, like, yeah. ancient Greek times or something. And then, like, there was some cataclysm, almost like, you know, they, a lot of them drowned. They tra- they were persecuted, all this stuff. And so there's a few of them like her left in the world. There's, like, a dozen. And occasionally they bump into okay. each other and then walk the other way. But all their victims are just sort of these off-brand ones that, like, they look like a Nike, but they wear so out. So that's how come... Right. That, so that's how she can be white, but from ancient Egypt is right. Greek, like Cleopatra. Yeah. Because I was seeing this as like the story of like that that bloody queen who was, or not queen, but who was oh, countess who was having Elizabeth yes, Bathory. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I was imagining. That that's how she's able to stay youthful because she's taking and not giving, right? As much as. Okay. I thought I thought she says I can't because he remember he's telling her like I like kill me kill me end it and she says I can't even though there's like an incinerator in the building and all this stuff I thought man if she can't even if putting him out in the sun or putting him in a fire or whatever is not going to do it if she's telling the truth it made sense to me based on the way she was reacting and how devastated she seemed to be by his aging I thought maybe she's telling the truth and if she was I thought man did did uh, Sarah just hack this then did Sarah figure out the thing that would like deprive would deprive her of her immortal of her like status or would turn her into the thing she is by feeding her then like diseased blood back to her. Yeah, and that's where the ending of the movie really I don't get it. You know, like why does Sarah survive? And mm-hmm. I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure. Also, she moves into a really nice like high rise apartment. Like I don't know. I did read a couple of like reviews or analyses that suggested that. Um, based on some of the stuff they'd been saying in the lab about how this affected blood behaved and what right. it was doing, that by feeding the mingled blood back to Miriam, she had like kind of broken Maybe. the, the mm. bond yeah. in the right way so that now she has become the, the primary. And yeah. And I was like, that's pretty, I think that's shaky based on the amount of information we have. Yeah. But it's better than zero explanation, but also mm-hmm. bearing in mind that no explanation for that was built into the story because that's not how it was supposed to end. Right. Yeah. I thought it was going to be science vampires and then it was like... It was no, like sexy vampires. vampires. Like, you know, like not a lot of science. Those scientists were just there to be like, cool. What about who would you put in a box? <gasps> oh, put in a box as a punishment or to have with you forever? 
Like as a lover for a couple hundred years and then in a box. Oh. So a little bit of both. Oh. A little bit of both. Man. That's what makes it tricky. I like this question though. Yeah. Thank you. It, thanks for that assist. I got nothing. Um, I think it would, I think for me, it would have to be, oh boy, it would definitely not Susan Sarandon. Um, Cause she really took a turn in later years. Um, it, it mentally, not like physically. Um, I think like David Bowie, like I'd always be really insecure. You know what I mean? And like, I'd always be like, am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? Like, did I do things right? And all that. But like, ultimately, like you're hanging out with David Bowie. He's really good looking. Everything's more interesting because when you hang out with good looking people, things are just more interesting. And I wouldn't quite feel so insecure all the time knowing that eventually he's going to wind up in a box and I'm not. So I feel like that would really temper my insecurities. Yeah, and so I would go with David Bowie. Like I, you know, I'd go to see a show. He'd perform. He'd be amazing. Everyone wants a piece of him backstage, and I'd be like, not only is he going home with me, but eventually I'm going to put him in a box. Like he's not that. You know, he's not going to win. Yeah. So David Bowie for me. Yeah. I feel like I mean, do I? Do they have to be my lover? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's part of it. Yep. That's hundred percent. Yep, they sure do. One hundred percent. Okay. Um hmm. Well that messes up my other answer. Well what was your Vladimir Putin. Give <laughs> Yeah. Just yeah. Keep, keep using him as your answer for everything. But it really works here. Right? Yeah. Well it, it makes perfect sense because we were talking about this recently. I said I I used to, I went through this phase where I just really wanted to bang Vladimir Putin. I know I don't like him as a person. <laughs> like he's like, but for some reason I saw him as being very fuckable. So it's like a love hate relationship. So yeah, I would keep him like, not in a loving way, like screaming in a box, more like black mirror. Like you are forever still like alive in, in agony. But I had like my like couple days of, of fun with a couple you. hundred years but yeah no i see what you mean i think i would pick jack white from oh wow uh, the white stripes because i think that he's a genius and i would love to just like be around him for a little while but same reason that you said like his creative genius would really intimidate me but knowing that i'm gonna outlive him yeah like i would steal all of his good ideas yeah and also he's probably one of those and, people the more I mean, you're around them the it. more annoying they are yeah. I was thinking that too, where it's like cerebral torture genius yeah. thing again, right? Where it's like, this is fun. I'm learning a lot. And then it's like, oh my God, can you please shut up? Do you even need me for this conversation? <laughs> like what's happening? Stop explaining yeah. things to me. Yeah. That's how I think it would go. Right? I That's understand like... the nature of time. I get it. Yeah. It's fine. Like dating men though. Yeah. That's just no, like how not. it goes. Like, please stop explaining things to me. I already get it. Oh, that was, so I did oh a panel. Gosh, that's not been my experience. I moderated a panel today over at Comic-Con and I did sort of lightning round questions where you just had to answer like, yes, no, this or that. So I'll ask you guys one of the lightning round questions. So, um, okay. which actually I'll ask you three of them. Okay. So which is scarier, giant shark or giant squid? Squid. Squid. Shark. Okay. Um, if you were, if you had to be, if you were going to have a terrible encounter with a large insect, uh, and you were going to survive it, 
Would you rather have it bite off and eat part of your body or lay eggs under your skin that hatched? Absolutely. Are off you and fucking eat. kidding the me? First bite one. off and eat. Bite Dude. off and eat. Rachel? <laughs> oh. First one. No. No. I've had a spider lay eggs in my room once and I had the horrifying experience of finding them hatch. So oh. that's under my skin. Okay. No. Okay. That's no. everyone's nightmare. Okay. Like yeah. in scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah, I was just yeah. about to say. Okay. <laughs> Manifest. Okay. So covered in eels or covered in spiders? You're not going to die. They're non-venomous. But which would be more? Which would be? Which would you prefer? Eels. Yeah. Eels. 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 Spiders. Would cool. Eels would feel cool. They'd be like slippery. Yeah. Okay. And then the last one is you're stuck on an elevator for three to five hours. And you can either be trapped on there with an, a flesh-eating zombie with no arms or a guy who's explaining things to you. Guy explaining things to me. Yeah, I've already explaining done that. That's things. fine. Guy who's explaining you things. You do it. You're good? <laughs> I'm okay. No, no, no. These are really great questions. <laughs> See, I'd go with the zombie with no arms. You've been an amazing Because you just, like, get leverage and yeah. you hold it down and you're done. You just stand on it, right? Why? Yeah, if you just stand on its, if you can get it down on the ground, then just stand on its head. Yeah, then you can like check. But also, you're not as used to dudes explaining things to you as well as we are. Like we're like thick skinned about it. It's like yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, like if if we couldn't tune that out, then we could never work a job where we have to go to a place and be around. Yeah. (laughs) No, I guess for me, I was standing. I was I was somewhere, and I was standing next to a guy who was explaining things to people who really didn't want things explained to them. And I was like, how is someone not stabbing this man right now? Like how <laughs> it would do, it would be a big favor for me, but like, it was really frustrating. It's just, it's a, it's, I, I mean, I, I, for myself anyway, as a woman, that's something that happens a lot, including in situations where like, I am supposed to be teaching something to someone else. Mm. Yeah. Like they will try to hijack the conversation and be teaching the thing to me that I am specifically there to teach them. Right. That it is my job to explain to them. They will then be telling me about it. And I'm like, yeah, but I... <sighs> well, think of how weird this uh, movie... Uh, you're yeah. wrong. Like, the stuff you're telling me is wrong or bad or doesn't make any sense. And also, why am I... Here? Like, what, why is the thing this happening? Think of how much less appealing this movie would have been if David Bowie and, like, Catherine Deneuve had switched roles. Oh my god, I would have hated Yeah, it'd just be like a dude who's not telling people like the full story and then he's like making them horrible vampires and locking them in boxes. Like that's basically like yeah. you get that in the newspaper. Like Lestat? Yeah. Yeah, just like a yeah. That's just like a, a yeah. dick. <laughs> he's not a vampire, you're a jackass. <laughs> Grady, you've been an amazing. Thanks for having guest. me. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much for coming on. This was wonderful. This was no, this super was fun. fun. You're welcome and back. Welcome back super anytime. Fun. Oh, thank you. Any, yes, anytime. anytime. Come back. And we're going to link to all your stuff in the show notes. And of course, I'll let you know in the episode. Awesome. Thank Yo, you thanks so for much. having me. I really, that was nice. It was actually nice to get a chance to see that and then like blabber about it with y'all. <laughs>